As we've gathered here today in this room, I don't know if y'all, do y'all know I count? I count how many people are here. Did y'all see me counting earlier? Some of y'all notice? I take pictures too to see if I'm all right with the count I'm doing. Uh, but uh, we had uh, uh, a little over 200 people at the 8 o'clock and a little over 700 people at 9.30 here and a little over 700 people, uh, well, significantly over 700 people in this room today. Uh, big winners, uh, if we do it in sections. Let me tell you the section. Y'all are the right section. This is the right section. And y'all were like really late coming in, let me just say. I mean, like extremely late coming in. This is the late section is what this is. This is the right section. Right section, um, y'all, uh, mm, we won't talk about the right section. Then the left section, y'all are the left section. They, that's these two groups, right? And y'all did pretty good. Uh, not as well as 930, just to let you know. There, there are about 91 of y'all here at, at, uh, at 11 o'clock, but the 930 crew had 121 in that, those two. Y'all need to pick it up. And pick it up. Y'all, y'all are the right side. Y'all are the center right, center right section. Isn't that good? Oh, y'all are, yeah, y'all, yeah, you know. I mean, center left. I'm sorry, center left. Y'all are the left. Y'all are the right. Did I get everybody confused? Left, left, right, right, center. Balcony. Okay, so uh, anyway, y'all, y'all did uh, not as good as they did. I know, I know. Uh, it had a little, a little over 80 people in there, so a little more. That's, that's not bad. A lot of latecomers. Um, then, then this is the right section. This is the right section. How are y'all doing? How many you think are in your group? 150. That's a preacher count right there. How many you think? 72. That's close. 75. That's close. 98. That's pretty good. 98. And then the center. Yeah. Come on. It's the center section. Center section. Y'all had uh, a little over 120. So uh, y'all almost won. But the balcony. Come on now. Give me a little help. The balcony. Y'all had uh, almost 130 people. Almost. If you can find a couple of people, y'all will get there to 130. Uh, you probably have 130 up there right now because the majority of late people come up. To the, that's not. That's not true. And we got some students up here. I've seen some parents watching their kids up there, and then y'all are sitting in the wrong seats. I mean, it's. I see you better right there. I'm glad you're sitting there because I can see you like nobody's business. And uh, when you're doing wrong, in fact, if you really want me to see you, you sit as far back as you possibly can, because I see you all better than any of them, except for this crew back here that always sits on the back row, and I'm always watching them. Uh, so, uh, Balcony did really well. And then, and then uh, do you want to know how many latecomers we had? Five, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 55, 60, 65, 70, 75, 80, 85, 90, 95, 100, 105, 110, 115, 116, 117. That's great. We're glad to have you all. Glad to have you all. Now, again, that, that doesn't mean anything, but, but uh, you have everybody together and, and uh, uh, we've had uh, in this room uh, about uh, uh, 
14 or 1,500 people gathering for worship, 15 or 1,600 people gathering for worship in this room alone uh, in these three worship gatherings. And, uh, you know, the most important thing for all 15 of us, 1,500 of us, is not did we get a little thrill. Uh, it's not did, uh, uh, did, I, did, did I get to sit where I wanted to sit. Um, the most important thing that we can answer as we've gathered here is simply this. Is Jesus Christ my King? See, when we leave here today, it's not going to matter um, all the little rammer, uh, rigmarole things that we did. It, it doesn't really matter how, how you got to sit next to the person you're sitting next to or uh, how often you got to talk to them while the preacher's talking and pass notes and, uh, and keep talking while the preacher's talking. Even though he's talking and looking and you just keep talking and not even paying attention while the preacher's talking. Thank you. Uh, yeah, not, not, you know, the most important thing is when we leave this place, is Jesus Christ my king? And many of y'all will say, he's absolutely my king. Yes, he's that. Don't you know he's my king? I'm a follower of Jesus. Of course he's my king. I'm a member at First Baptist Church of Norfolk. Of course he's my king. That's not the same thing. See, if we were honest, by the way, what are y'all doing at 11 o'clock worship gathering? It's so good to have y'all here. And sitting on the second to the front row, usually you're back like, you know, it's good to have you. See, I know where y'all are sitting. Uh, I could take roll and not even call out names. Um, we, we get in this place and we, we look like Jesus is our king. And we'll even talk like Jesus is our king. But do we see him as our king and are we surrendered to him as our king in everyday life? And, and we can play the game. And we do. Don't we? We play the game, and, 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 and we, we play the game like we'll, we'll sing this song, and yes, all hail the power of Jesus' name, until 2 o'clock rolls away. And then all hail the power of Eric. We play these games like, uh, like the crowd did in our text today. Now, they, they said a lot of good words, and they said the right things, but the question really is not, did they say the right things? The question is, do they see Jesus as their king, and have they surrendered to him as their king? I want to read this passage to you, and, and, uh, as we read, and you read along as well, but as we read this passage, I, I just ask you to simply allow God, by his grace, to talk to you about your relationship with Christ. Do you see him as your king? Do you surrender to him as your king? Listen, begin verse 1, Mark chapter 11. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and he said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you have entered uh, this village, the village of Bethpage probably, uh, you will find a, a, a colt tied on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. 
And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it, and immediately he'll send it here. So they went their way, and they found the colt tied by the door outside on the street, and they loosed it. And some of those who stood there said to him, what are you doing loosing the colt? And they uh, spoke to them just as Jesus commanded, so they let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on the back of the colt, and he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from trees, and they spread them onto the road. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he looked around at all things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Now, as we look at this passage, there's a big idea that I want us to, to, to get hold of. Jesus is the triumphant king who leads us into victory. Now, he is the triumphant king. And that really is what the triumphal entry is all about. <clears throat> it is Jesus out loud declaring, I am the king that you've been looking for. Now, he does it in a way that might not be noticeable to you and to me. Mark takes six verses out of the 11. He takes six verses to talk about a colt being tied up and, and describing the colt and, and the process of getting the colt and bringing the colt to Jesus. Now, you wonder why is that such a big deal? Well, it's a big deal because the picture of the colt and, and how it all unfolded was a declaration to every faithful Jewish person living in that area that Jesus was the Messiah or he was laying claim to that kingship. You see, if you were to go back to Genesis chapter 49, verses 10 and 11, really verses 8 through 11, you have this thing called the Oracle of Judah. And in the time of Jesus and before, uh, the people interpreted Genesis 49, uh, 8 through 11, as a description of the Messiah, the king that would come. And you can understand why. Listen, Genesis 49, 10 and 11 specifically. The scepter, that's, a, that's what a king holds, the scepter shall not depart from Judah nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh. And Shiloh is synonymous with Messiah in this text. It is, it is synonymous with the king that was to come until Shiloh comes. And to him, Shiloh, shall be the obedience of the people, binding his donkey to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. He washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. Now, the main thing that you see out of this is that the king is coming and there'll be a day when the king shows up and a donkey's going to be involved and a donkey's colt is going to be involved. Okay? So when Jesus sent the disciples, sent two of his disciples to go get a colt that had never been ridden upon, it was a description, yeah, what you thought is really happening. I am the Messiah. I'm the king. If you were to look not just at the oracle of Judah, but in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, you see this even more plainly. In Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, uh, the prophet declares, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just, and he holds salvation in his hands. Lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt the foal of a donkey. Now, in Jesus' day and before, uh, <clears throat> the people would take Genesis 49, verses 10 and 11, they would take Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, and they would look at those together and they would say, here is a sign of the king. 
He's going to be riding a colt. So in Mark chapter 11, when Jesus says to his disciples, go get a colt, they were thinking, pounding in their chest, he's laying claim to the king. He is going to come out loud, I am the king. And so that picture of Jesus as the king becomes full-orbed and full-blown in this passage. Jesus is the king. But is he your king? And Jesus is the king, and when he enters Jerusalem, he enters triumphantly. But is he your king? As we look at the rest of this passage, there are certain implications that we can pull from the text that help us understand how that we can say, yes, Jesus is my king. Yes, I know Jesus is my king and that he will lead me into triumph. Mark chapter 11 is a passage, at least one through these verses that we're looking at today, it's a passage that says, you know, it's, it, it, it was one of those easy days to follow Jesus. It was one of those easy days to say, yes, Jesus is my king. And don't you have those days? Don't you have those days marked in your life where it just is easier to, uh, to have Jesus as your king, to see him as your king, and to surrender to him in the details of your day as your king? Where he is the boss. There are some days that are easier than others to follow Jesus like that. And then there are other days that are more challenging. And that's next week and the week after. We're going to see it's more challenging to follow Jesus. And we have those days that are more challenging to see Jesus as our king. And to surrender to him as our king. But as we look at this passage, it's important for us to see the whole big picture. See, Jesus has come to give victory to you and to me. But the only way we can taste that victory, not just in eternity, but in our everyday life, is if first we do what Jesus says. See, Jesus wants to lead us to victory, but we've got to do what he says. The disciples were followers of Christ. And, 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 and when Jesus said, this is what you need to do. You need to go to Bethpage. You need to find a colt that's tied up. You need to take that colt and you need to bring it back. But when somebody asks you, why are you taking that colt? You tell them that the Lord has need of it. And you look in verses 4, 5, and 6, and it happened exactly the way Jesus said it was going to happen. Jesus told them what to do, and they did it. They probably didn't understand everything that they were doing. They might not have even seen the, their hand in the fulfillment of Genesis 49 and Zechariah chapter 9. But they understood enough about Jesus to know that he is my king. I'm going to do what he says. What about you? See, don't say Jesus is my king when you don't do what he says. John 14 and 15, he said a little bit different. He said, um, don't say that you love me if you don't do what I say. See, we like to play this religious game. We call it religion and Christianity and all that stuff. Nothing wrong with those two terms except when we use them to excuse us not surrendering to Jesus as king. 
We make it some inanimate thing, some, some uh, country club or social institution that we're a part of. Friends, listen, if Jesus is our king, we will do what he says. It's bound up in our relationship to him. Can I just say this, and and this is from the text as well. Jesus told his two disciples exactly what was going to happen. It's a lot easier to do what Jesus says when you know that he knows everything already. Can I just suggest to you that it is the epitome of not smart... When you decide that you're not going to do the very thing that the person who knows everything tells you to do. Do you understand that Jesus knows how your life was going to be, how it is, and how it's going to be? Jesus understands every aspect of your life. He understands the details intimately and intricately. And so when Jesus says, hey, listen, I want to lead you into triumph. I want to lead you into victory. So here's what you need to do. You need to do A, B, C, and D. He knows everything. So why don't we do everything he says? The end result is victory. It is triumph. I wonder, I wonder how our life, I wonder how our church would look differently if we didn't just say that Jesus is our king, but we lived, surrendered to him, and did what he said. Are you doing what Jesus says? Jesus is my king. Oh, is he? Are you doing what he says? Jesus is the triumphant king, and he will lead us into victory when we do what he says and when we celebrate his presence in our lives. Oh, we, 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 we need to celebrate his presence. I, I know that there are times when I walk into a room and not everybody's happy that I've walked into that room. Have you ever been there? You know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all have never tasted that bitter fruit. <laughs> kind of makes me giggle. makes me want to go into the room again. You know? <laughs> That's one thing for it to be me, but what about Jesus? You wake up in the morning and instead of running to Jesus, you're running from Jesus. And yet you say, Jesus is my king? If you look down in verses 7 and 8, you see how that the crowd, that in a few days we're going to get it wrong. And this is the same crowd that was going to cry, that, that's going to cry out, kill Jesus. So in a few days they get it wrong, but on this occasion, at this moment, they got it right. In verse 7, then they brought the colt to Jesus, Jesus, and they threw their clothes on it, and Jesus sat on it, verse 8, and many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. So what were they doing with laying their coats and, and, and palm branches on the road? 
Well, they were paying tribute. They were honoring Jesus. They were celebrating his coming. Now, we are here today and we say, Jesus is my king, but, but are we honoring him? Even now, right here, right now, are we paying tribute to him? Are we celebrating his presence? We say, Jesus is my king. But, you know, I, I, I think, especially in, in church world, I don't necessarily think that we, we're, we're aggressively running away from his presence. We're just ignoring Jesus altogether. Oh, we'll, we'll put on the, the clothes and, and, and we'll put on the forms and we'll play this little game where we act like we're, we're all about Jesus and we're passionate for Jesus and, 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 and we'll, we'll, we'll get here and, 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 and we'll do this. But, but really when it comes down to it, we're not even thinking about Jesus. We're ignoring him. Okay, let's stop for a second. You're here right now and On this day of the week, we've gathered together for one purpose, and that is to set our gaze upon Jesus, to lay down the leafy branches and to lay down our coats and to pay honor and homage and pay tribute to Jesus the King. And some of us have gone through the motions, but the reality is we're, we're not even thinking about Jesus. Some of us have gone through this whole exercise that we call corporate worship, and Jesus has been the furthest from our minds and our hearts. Oh, we've been thinking about a lot of other things and, 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 and pointing our fingers at other things and saying, well, if that were different, then man, man, I would, I would, be, I would be so much a better follower of Jesus. If that preacher preached better. If we had a different president in the White House, I'd be a better follower of Jesus. Or if, if, if Congress would make up its mind and do what it's paid to do, I'd be a better follower of Jesus. And if, if, if I had better friends or, 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 or if, 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 if as a parent, if I, if I didn't have teenagers or As husband, if, if, if my wife weren't so nagging, as a wife, if my wife, if my husband weren't such an idiot. We have a lot of things that we bring into this place and we point our finger at everybody else saying, the reason Jesus is not my king is because it's their fault. Well, friends, you're responsible for where your head and your heart is in this place right now. That's nobody else's fault but yours. So the question is, are you celebrating Christ's presence? Can, can I just make a suggestion? When we gather for corporate worship, stop focusing on every other thing. And let's get our heads and our hearts focused on the one thing that we're here to do, and that is to pay honor to Jesus Christ, our King. We'll ignore Jesus, and we'll say, well, he's my King. 
Really? Is he? The crowd got it right on this occasion. And they honored Jesus. What about you? Are you celebrating his presence? Jesus is the triumphant king who will lead us into victory when we do what he says and when we celebrate his presence and when we cry to him for help. Look at verse 9 and 10. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna. One word simply means, oh, save us. It was a cry for help. And as Jesus walked into the city, Outskirts, And as he made him his way from the Mount of Olives through the Kidron Valley to the outskirts of Jerusalem, as he was making his way to the very temple, the people gathered around the trail in the streets and they were crying out, Oh, save us! Oh, save us! Oh, save us! Rescue us! Help us! You know, Jesus, Jesus has come to rescue. And certainly, certainly in a few weeks, we're going to see how that Jesus heard the cries of rescue us. And he, the king, died upon a cross in the place of sinners to rescue sinners from the guilt, the stain, the condemnation, the judgment that our sin demands. Yes, Jesus came to the rescue. And when I, by faith, received his wondrous gift of amazing grace, his rescuing love captured me and changed me from the inside out. And I'm... I've been rescued. But do you know Jesus desires to rescue me not just for eternity, but in my everyday life? Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, when we see Jesus as our king, when we surrender to him as our king, we cry out to him for help. We depend upon him for rescue. Is Jesus your king? If he's your king, then right now, stop, right now, make a list. Name the chain in your life. Describe the dimension of your cell. Make a list. Oh, Jesus, you know this is what's got me chained up. Oh, Jesus, this is what's got me in despair. Oh, Jesus, this is what's melting my heart. Oh, Jesus, save me. Help me. The crowd cried out, Hosanna. Perhaps they were thinking about Jesus and his encounter with Bartimaeus at the end of Mark chapter 10. 
Bartimaeus, a blind man sitting on the outskirts of Jericho, waiting for Jesus to walk by. He heard that Jesus was coming, and so he cried out, Oh, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The crowd tried to get him to be quiet. Stop interrupting this Jesus. And he cried out ever louder, Oh, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I can see Jesus smiling, almost giggling. He was so eager to help. He told the people around him and said, oh, no, go get him. I want to help this guy. So they came to blind Bartimaeus and they said to Bartimaeus, they said, get these words, take courage. Get up. He's calling you. Bartimaeus, the scripture says, he says he threw off his outer garment and he ran to where Jesus was. I'm sure Jesus was going beep, beep. He was blind. Helping him, helping him, helping him. Come this way, come this way, this way, this way. Bartimaeus made his way to Jesus. And Jesus, smiling the whole time, said, hey, what can I do for you? Hey, what? can I do for you? Get it. And Jesus looks to you today and he says, hey, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? Bartimaeus says, oh, that I might see. And Jesus says, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Take courage, friends. Take courage. When Jesus is your king, you cry to him for help, and he'll bring rescue your way. Name your chain. Describe the dimension of your jail cell. Jesus, this is what it is. Jesus, this is what it is. Jesus, this is what it is. Jesus, save me. Have mercy on me. Some of you just need to start depending upon Jesus as the king who can deliver. Jesus is the triumphant king who will lead us into victory when we do what he says, when we celebrate his presence, when we cry to him for help, and then when we submit to his evaluation. Here's where many of us stop. We might get to one, we might get to two, we might get to three, but number four, we say, whoops. I don't like evaluation, do you? I mean, many of y'all have gone through the process of performance evaluations and, and job evaluations and uh, I, I, you know, when I got my PhD, had to sit before a board, and man, they just they ooh, evaluation. You know, and it's tough. I, you know, it's not. It's it's a little brutal. I don't like evaluation. And you know what's amazing about that is every week I know that I'm ev- being evaluated at some level by a thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand people. Oh come on, y'all evaluate me. Some of y'all are going to go home and say, I can't believe he did that. I can't believe he said that. Oh, thank you. Love you too. I don't know who said it, but I count by Jesus' name. I love you too. Um, yeah, evaluation is no fun. I know I'm being evaluated. I know that. That's the nature of what God has called me to do. That's okay. 
But I learned long ago something that I think is important for all of us to learn. See, all of you are going to evaluate me at some level. But that's not really the big deal in my life. See, if my evaluation before the throne of Christ by Jesus himself, if he evaluates me and he says thumbs up today, then every single one of you can say thumbs down and I'll be all right. Because you're not the king. I'm not the king. Jesus is the king. So every day I struggle and I I fight on this, but, but my heart's desire, my heart's desire every day is to submit myself to the evaluation of Jesus Christ the King, adjust my life to fit his evaluation, and then let him take care of everything else. I don't do that perfectly, but that's my goal. And you look at verse 11, and the scripture says that Jesus went through the streets of Jerusalem, and then he went into the temple. And then this phrase, get this phrase, and when he had looked around at all things, he went to Bethany. When he looked around. I want you to key in on that phrase, looked around. One word in the Greek language, and that Greek verb is not just have a look-see. It wasn't just, let me take a look. He wasn't, he, he wasn't trying to see what the landscape was like. No, that, that, that Greek word is scrutiny. Discernment. Evaluation. Jesus was checking out the spiritual condition of God's people. It hasn't changed for us today. You see, when we embraced Christ as Savior and King, the Spirit of God was poured within us so that now we are the temple of the Spirit of God. And each day throughout the day, consistently, Jesus Christ is evaluating you. And me. And if he is our king, then we will submit ourselves to his evaluation. He'll say to me, Eric, thumbs up over here. Good job. But Eric, right here in this part, thumbs down. We need to we need to adjust that. And when Jesus is my king, I will adjust everything in my life to fit his evaluation is Jesus your king the good news is is that when we um, when we embrace Jesus as king when we do what he says when we celebrate his presence when we cry to him for help when when we submit ourselves to his evaluation then he will be persistent and faithful every day to lead us into triumph I wonder, today, will you be able to say, Jesus, you are my king.